0: 1 John 2, verse 15 through 17. The Bible says, Do not love the world or the things that belong to the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in him. For everything that belongs to the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride in one's lifestyle is not from the Father, but it is from the world. And the world with its lust is passing away. But the one who does God's will... Remains forever. Let's pray. Father, thank you right now for another time to study your word. I thank you for another opportunity to teach your word. Father, keep my lips from speaking error. I pray for the power of your Holy Spirit to come into me right now and to lead me and guide me in this sermon. Father Yahweh, I think this is very important, what I'm going to talk about today. And I just pray that I'll be able to relay it to... uh, the brothers and sisters here, and even to the children, to where it's easy to grasp and understand. We glorify You today, Father. Help us to apply it to our lives when we're through. For if we're only hearers and not doers, it doesn't profit us a thing. We glorify and we thank You. you Yeshua the Messiah we pray. Amen. I want this message to be part of the current series that we've been talking about, but at the same time, I want it to be able to stand alone. So we're going to be getting to some things in this sermon that may not be as relevant to the series that we're in right now on how do you know that you're really saved. I think that this, in 1 John 2, 15-17, is a test that we can take to examine ourselves to see whether or not we're saved. I think that it is. But I think that there's a lot in here that we can learn from in this passage. There are some other points in the text that I want to center in on. In 1 John 2, 15, the first phrase says, Do not love the world or the things that belong to the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in him. Now I want to talk about what that means, but before I do, I want to discuss what it doesn't mean. Because I think a lot of times this verse is ripped out of its original setting and applying to a lot of things that it doesn't apply to. A lot of people in a lot of churches associate this word world with everything that non-Christians do. That's what they say. In other words, non-Christians have television sets, so we shouldn't have television sets. Non-Christians play cards, we shouldn't play cards. Non-Christians dance, we shouldn't dance. Non-Christians drink alcohol, we shouldn't drink alcohol. Non-Christians can just fill in the blank, therefore we shouldn't do that. That's what a lot of people associate when it says, don't love the world. That's not what this text is referring to. It's not saying that we look to our current culture, our non-Christian culture and anything that they do, we shouldn't do. That's not what it's saying, okay? Because when somebody tells me all those things, I think goodness gracious. There's a lot of things that non-Christians do. Hey, hey, they're good. You know, they they do things like they sleep and they wear clothes and they brush their teeth and some of those things they don't have a verse for, but they still do it. And that doesn't mean we have to refrain from from doing something just because a non-Christian culture does it. The culture should not be our standard of what is wrong to do. In other words, sin should not be defined as going against the grain of what the world does. Now, the world does many things that are sinful, and we shouldn't participate in any of them. Any of them at all. But there are some things in our culture that are not sinful that it is okay and permissible to participate in. Sometimes people think that I'm trying to go back to the first century culture because I wear a tunic. Okay, And if you don't know what a tunic is, that's basically a shirt that's longer than your average Joe, right? Brother Arnold and I wear wear tunics and my sons do as well. I've had people remark to me and say things like, well, if you're going to wear a tunic, why don't you wear sandals, Brother Matthew? You know, and my response, if it's cold like it is right now, is, well, for the same reason you don't. I don't want my feet to get any colder than you want your feet to get. <laughs> you know, I, I wear shoes because they are comfortable to my feet. And I wear socks because I like to wear socks inside of my tennis shoes. I mean, that, that that sounds crazy to you, but people look at the way that I dress sometimes and they think, well, Brother Matthew is doing that because he wants to get back to that culture. But that's not the reason that I do it. That's not the reason that I do it at all. People have also, speaking without knowledge, have said things to me like, along those lines, well, if you're really going to go all the way with this, Matthew, then you need to wear sandals and ride on a camel and live in a hut and stop using technology and things like that. But what they've missed is the reason, the reason why I dress the way that I do. It's not because I'm trying to be like the first century Jewish Culture. That's not why I dress the way that I dress. I dress this way because of the Bible's teaching on modesty. See, modesty is in Scripture as a law, a teaching, a doctrine. Laws and doctrines and teachings in Scripture don't change. Cultures do. That means the culture in the first century when Yeshua walked this earth, they may have dressed in one style, but it was modest if they were a righteous person, okay? We, in the year 2010, were not required by Yahweh's law to dress in the same style, but we are required by Yahweh's law to still be modestly clothed. That's a law and a doctrine of sacred Scripture. Laws and instructions of Yahweh don't change, whereas the cultures in which they apply do change. We have to keep this in mind when we read something like, do not love the world. Neither the things that belong to the world. It's not speaking of the culture. It's kind of like the biblical command that tells us to build a parapet or a battlement on our roof when we build a new house. It's in Deuteronomy 22 and verse 8. We read this verse in the King James Version or another translation and we think, what in the world is a parapet? I, I want shingles on my roof. I don't know about a parapet and a battlement. You know, we have no clue what is what is referring to if we read it in an older version but when we read it in in context all it's saying is in that culture roofs were generally flat that's where Peter was remember when we taught on Peter's vision on the rooftop he goes up on the rooftop he's hungry he he falls into a trance we're not talking about a, a roof with this type of a pitch we're talking about a flat roof and basically all that Yahweh was saying is when you build a new house You've got your flat roof up there, put something around it so that when you have dinners up there, when you're when you're talking about Scripture up there, nobody accidentally falls off the side and you're accountable for the blood that's shed on your property. So, in that culture, that's what that meant. We don't have flat roofs anymore, generally speaking, do we, for our homes. But that doesn't mean that commandment doesn't apply to us, does it? No, that commandment applies to us. It's basically a safety commandment. You know, we have to uh, when, when we have when we have a, a, a high place like in my home, on the inside of my home, I've got it upstairs. It would be terrible if 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 there was not a parapet or railings on my upstairs floor. I mean, you're looking probably at about a a ten plus foot drop. You know, it would be crazy to think that I didn't need to put those up. That's keeping that commandment, right? Also, too, safety in general. You know, around the workplace, when you're out on the job, keep things safe. Make sure you, you, you take heed, you know, not to leave uh, uh, something out where somebody could get hurt or, or something that's dangerous. That's application of that commandment. It changes with culture, but the commandment still stays the same. Just like I talked about the commandment of modesty. The commandment of modesty stays the same but the cultural application may differ. It may differ. I used to wear long robes sometimes that would better resemble what men probably wore culturally in the first century. And a lot of people wouldn't mistake me sometimes for a Muslim. I would go into the Muslim pizzeria. The first thing out of their mouth would be, I'm alaikum. And they said they can't help but say it because when I come in, they to to, to, to them I look like I'm a follower of Islam. And I'm not. You know, I don't have anything, any problem necessarily with the word Muslim. It's in, it, in and of itself. But I don't follow the religion of the Quran. I made that very clear to them. But when we begin to talk to the Muslim people, when I was talking to them and relaying to them my beliefs and what we stand for and what I do, they tell me, well, you are a better Muslim than we are. But I tell them, I say, listen, that's, that's terrible to you. You know, I ask them, why don't you do this and why don't you do that? And they give me all these kinds of excuses. And it's just like the professing Christians do. Everybody that professes to believe in the Quran, which I believe is a false book, but everybody that professes to believe in the Quran doesn't necessarily follow the Quran. It's just like the Bible. It's just like the Bible. Everybody that carries the Bible around doesn't necessarily follow what the Bible says. Somebody could say they believe in the Bible. You ask them, Do you believe in the Bible? Yeah. That doesn't mean anything. Doesn't mean anything. If they follow it, that's what means something. It's not just lip service, but it's with action. So I used to wear those, those long robes, but a while back I stopped doing that for this reason. Because I wanted to better fit in with the culture. I already was weird enough, but I wanted to fit in better with the culture that I live in in 2010. So I still dress modestly by the Scriptures, but I try to dress as culturally applicable or fashionable as I can. Now, some of you might be saying, well, Brother Matthew, you've got a long way to go when it comes to fashion. (laughs) And that may be true. I might have to give that to you. Some people think I'm stuck in the 80s or the 90s, right? And I might be. Maybe I need to come up to the 21st century. I don't know. Maybe some of you young brothers can help me out on that. But I stopped doing that, not because I think it's wrong to dress like that. And if I lived in a culture that dressed like that, that's probably what I would wear all the time so it would be more acceptable to that particular or current culture. Now, some people may think that that's a compromise, but I believe that they're wrong. And I also believe that there's a good compromise and a bad compromise. Now, what a bad compromise is, is this. Anytime that you let down a standard or a commandment that Yahweh has given to appease a culture or some person, anytime you let down that standard, you're compromising in a bad way. You're sinning. You're transgressing the law. Yahweh doesn't, doesn't like that. He doesn't prefer that. When you say something like, well, I'm going to break the Sabbath because I need to win this guy over here that breaks the Sabbath. Or I'm going to dress like a whore to win a whore. Or I'm going to get drunk to win a drunkard. You've overstepped the boundaries there. You've overstepped the boundaries. What you've done is you've violated commandments. Commandments. You've not violated a Jewish culture. You've violated a part of the Torah. That's right, brother. You can't do that. You're not supposed to do that. You must repent of that. So you can remain culturally applicable and still obey the Torah of Almighty Yahweh. You don't have to drive a camel and walk around barefoot to be holy. Right? You don't have to. Some people may think you do. I love the Amish people. I had a house in an Amish society one time. I think we can learn a lot from them. Very humble people, very loving people help you out. I think that they're wrong in their ideology about getting away from technology though. I don't think that it's a sin to have technology. I don't think that it's a sin to have electricity and things like that. I don't think that it's a sin to wear a certain style of clothing. I don't think that it is. I think they went too far on that. So you don't have to drive a camel and walk around barefoot to be holy. But you do, however, you do have to seek to be holy in the area of keeping the commandments of the Father. You've got to do that. Now I believe this is at least some of what Paul had in mind in 1 Corinthians 9, verse 22, when he said, I become all things to all people so that I may by all means save some. So long as you're not violating the commandment, you need to try to make every effort to become all things to all kind of people, you need to do that. Sometimes you might have to learn to speak their lingo, you know. In this culture, bad is good instead of bad being bad, right? Say, so, man, that's bad, you know. That means good, <laughs> you know. Or and and you know different things like that, you know. Or some I heard somebody say the other day. I, it was a teenage fella out on a job. Said, man, that's wicked, you know. And I was like, you know, and that was good. That was great, you know, how the backhoe was working. I said, wicked. It's a new one for me. You know, I think of wicked and I think of unrighteous. I think of, hey, homosexuality, you know, (laughs) perversion. He was talking about how the backhoe moved around. That's wicked, man, you know. Sometimes we might have to learn to speak like them. That's okay, though, as long as we're not violating commandments. Hey, get involved in that person's lingo, that culture, so that you can win them, become all things to them. Might be the greatest thing that you've ever done. Let's look a few moments at the areas that I mentioned earlier. For instance, non-Christians have TVs, internet, and radio. Now, these things are not sins in and of themselves. Nothing material is in and of itself a, a sin. That's a pagan idea. You know, you can't just take something like a rock and say the rock is pagan. You know, it's just like with a with a with a uh, a tree that we call a Christmas tree. You know, I don't put them up in my home. At, on December 25th because it's pagan to do that that's the custom of the heathens how they worship their gods but nothing's wrong with the tree by itself nothing's wrong with that tree y'all we created that tree it's fine okay how we use it in imitation of heathen culture heathen worship that's an entirely different story and that's for another time and another message but things are not sins in and of themselves you can use them in a just or an unjust manner here's an example You can use your internet to look at pornography, which is a sin, or you can use it to get the message of truth out to other people. It can be used for destruction or it can be used for righteousness. Brother Arnold's often talking about how he's wanting to get the message. One of the best ways to get the message of the true Sabbath is by using the internet, by using email, by using websites, by radio broadcasts. There's a lot of wicked things that come across talk radio today. A lot of degrading speech. Heard a guy the other day, attorney immediately heard a guy today saying some of the most degrading things about women. And immediately, I, my, my mind did, you know, didn't want to go there. Immediately shut it off. There's a lot of garbage that comes across the radio, but there's a lot of good that comes across the radio, too. Same thing with the internet. So, what Brother Arnold's done is he's chosen to use that internet as a vehicle for righteousness. It's the same way with the, the band that we have, August Rain. We use the Internet to get out music that not only uplifts our Creator, shows forth His name, but also encourages people that are going through difficult times. That's a righteous way to use technology. That's a righteous way to use the Internet. So there's good things that come across a TV, good things that come across Internet and radio, but there's bad things that do as well. The actual item is not wrong. The actual item is not sin. But what comes across it can be bad or it can be good. Here's another one. Non-Christians dance and drink. Now, does that mean we shouldn't dance and we shouldn't drink? No, it doesn't. It doesn't mean that at all. Now, the Bible isn't against either of the two. Now, there is inappropriate dancing and there is inappropriate drinking. There's something called dirty dancing and there's something called getting drunk. Both of those are wrong. You shouldn't be involved in either one of them, Okay. But there is a righteous dancing. If I want to have my wife and and get out and dance with my wife to a love song, there's nothing wrong with that. Or if I want to rejoice with some brothers up here and dance before Yahweh, there's nothing wrong with that. Same thing with drinking. Now, Yeshua attended a wedding in John chapter 2 where we know that there was alcohol. We know that there was drinking. And in all likelihood, there was probably dancing at that wedding too. In most likelihood. But it was done in the context of righteousness. Righteousness. It was done in the context of the brotherhood of Yahweh. Do you understand that, brothers and sisters? So we can enjoy the liberties that Yahweh has given us so long as our liberty doesn't turn into a license to sin. And that's the problem. Some people allow their liberty to turn into a license to sin. So long as you don't do that, everything's fine. Everything's fine. So, in other words, if you start dancing at the nightclub and drink a case of beer around a bunch of heathen perverts... That don't want to do anything but dirty dance you're you're in sin you've committed wrong that's what you've done. I sure wouldn't want to be caught doing that when Yeshua comes back would you versus versus let's say you have a Bible study and you've got your guitars out and you're drinking your wine, maybe your beer you can have the beer I don't like the taste I love wine don't like beer. Not because I think it's wrong. I just don't like to taste beer. It's not good to me. You get that out. You rejoice before Yahweh. You study the Scriptures. You play. You talk about the things of Yahweh. You don't overdo liberty. That's That's okay. That's all right. You won't hear a lot of preachers say that, but it's okay. And if you want to dance, hey, that's fine. You dance and you dance before Yahweh. Now, you have to ask yourself this question. Is what I'm doing bringing glory to Yahweh? At this moment, am I bringing glory to my Creator? I believe if I dance with my wife to a love song, I'm bringing glory to my Creator. I do. Because I'm expressing my love towards my wife in dance. She's my wife. I love her. There's nothing wrong with me. I can be intimate with her because I'm married to her. She's my wife. I'm bringing glory to Yahweh. Yahweh loves to see that intimacy between the husband and the wife that He loves. Now, I recently mentioned in one message a few weeks ago about associating with sinners and then in another message about not associating with sinners and that might be confusing to you and I can see how it would be. But the harmony is very simple and it's this. We know that Yeshua associated with sinners, tax collectors, prostitutes, people who needed help, but it wasn't for the purpose of joining in their sin. That's not why he associated with sinners. It wasn't to join in their sin. He didn't talk to the prostitute so that he could lay with her for crying out loud. That's not why he was talking to her. He was talking to her and associating with her so he could preach to her about the gospel of the kingdom. Heal her of her sickness. Deliver her from her life of prostitution. That's why he was associating with her. Not to participate in what she was doing. So... It's okay, and we should reach out to sinners. And it's wrong to feel otherwise. A lot of people don't want to talk to anybody that's a sinner. Maybe a prostitute. Maybe somebody that's just hooked on drugs. They are the ones that need help. They are. And if we don't reach out to them, the world's going to continuously reach out to them, give them another drug, another pill, another bottle of wine, doing some some something ungodly and they're not going to hear it from the church and say listen i want to tell you about life serving yahweh i want to tell you how you can be delivered from all this stuff yahweh loves you and i love you and i want to help you yahweh wants to deliver you out of this bondage that you're in we are to use the liberties that yahweh gives us to his glory this means that we are not to use them to commit sin but to enjoy the life that He's given us. Amen? We're to use the liberties Yahweh has given us to enjoy our life without committing sin. Somebody asked me one time. They said, Matthew, why do you drink wine? And what I responded to them was was this. I said, because I enjoy it. Now that may not sit well with you. I don't know. But that was my answer. The Bible says in Psalms, Yahweh gives oil to a man to make his face to shine. He gives bread to strengthen his heart, and He gives him wine to make his heart glad. That's what the Scripture says. Now, I don't drink to get drunk. That's not my intention at all. But I like to drink wine. It's enjoyable. Let me ask you this. Why do you eat steak? Well, I hope you say because I enjoy it. And hey, I'm right there with you. I love to eat steak, man. Why do you eat cake? I like to eat cake. I know it's probably not the best thing for me. Sometimes I like to get a good piece of German chocolate cake. Love that. You know? Hey, I savor every bite. I enjoy it. I enjoy it. And there's nothing wrong. That's why I drink Frappuccinos. I love the peppermint mocha Frappuccinos at the Starbucks. You know, I drove through there the other day, and they told me they had quit selling them, and my heart just sunk. (laughs) No more peppermint mocha. (laughs) Man. You know, I get one before band practice usually during the week, and I get to band practice and I'm ready to play the bass, man, you know. I feel good. I, you know why I drink the Frappuccino, though, the peppermint? I like it. I enjoy it. I don't drink it because I'm trying to weird out or something like that, but I, I, enjoy it. I enjoy that. I enjoy the liberties that Yahweh's given me. So this is not what John is talking about when he says, Do not love the world. That's not what he's saying, brothers and sisters. Just because a non-Christian does something doesn't mean you have to shun it. I've been, I know people that teach us it's wrong to play cards. It's wrong to roll a set of dice. Where's the law? Where's the commandment? I don't find it. I don't find it. First John 2.15 Do not love the world or the things that belong to the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in him. What is it talking about? This is what it's talking about. This phrase is referring to being overtaken by materialistic things and sins that the world offers you. Your love, your deepest desire, if it's to be just like the world, it's wrong. If you want to look just like that movie star or be just like that person you saw on TV and you're not seeking to pattern your life after the Messiah, you're wrong. You're wrong. You love the world. It's overtaking you. And in doing so, you're overtaken by sin. Sin has you in its clutches and Satan laughs at you and is delighted because you never have time for Yahweh. You never have time to read your Bible. You come to church once a week. You may crack it open. You might listen to a few things the preacher says out of the Scriptures. But you go your merry way and you continue your love affair with the world. You love the world. You want to be just like the world. You're not concerned about Yahweh. You're not concerned about patterning your life after the men and women in the Bible, but after the men and women on TV or in Hollywood. That's wrong. That's wrong. There are three areas that the world captures us. 1 John 2.16 For everything that belongs to the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride in one's lifestyle is not from the Father, but is from the world. Three areas here. Look at these first two. Lusts of the flesh and lusts of the eyes. You're always seeking to fulfill the desires of your flesh. They overtake you. They overtake you. I had this happen to me the other night. I was watching television and a commercial comes on and they're advertising these spicy chicken nuggets for Wendy's. And I'm sitting there. I've already eaten dinner. And they say something like, you've got to have these spicy chicken nuggets. And I remember looking at it and thinking, yeah, i got to have them. I need them. The <laughs> next thing out of my mouth is, Tisha, do you mind going and get me some spicy chicken nuggets from Wendy's? You know, and I get them and I, then I eat I I a few of them. And then, you know, they're not good. They're sickening, really. They're terrible. Tastes terrible. But what happened was through the lust of the eyes, that commercial got my attention. You know, you might be sitting and seeing a commercial with ice creams. Do you want ice cream? And you think, yeah, man, I want some ice cream. <laughs> you know, i got to have that ice cream. It's the lust of the flesh. It's the lust of the eyes. I'm not saying that eating is sinful. It's not a sin to eat. It's not. It's a sin to overeat, but it's not a sin to eat. I'm just saying we shouldn't allow ourselves to be overtaken by the lust of our flesh. Now, one big way that the world captures people, especially men, and I'm not... Leaving out the women, but especially men, is through the idea of selling sex. Now, I'm going to be brief here. I know we've got little children here, small children here, so I'm going to be brief. But that's one of the ways that the world captures us through the eyes, It's through those unlawful, wicked, perverted, ungodly lusts that are in our heart, Yeshua says. They need to be removed. It's one of the ways the world captures us. I saw a billboard once somewhere, I've seen it a few times. And there was an advertisement for a TV show on it, and the name of the TV show was Californication. If that doesn't scream sin to you, don't watch this, something's wrong. Shame on you if you set your eyes on stuff like that. You secretly go in some kind of perverted way into your bedroom and you watch something like that and think nobody knows about it. That's, just, that's sickening. That's sick. He always sees. There's many, many television shows like that that a Christian should never lay their eyes upon. Never. That should be a blaring beeper says, don't watch this show. <laughs> Californication. No, that's not for me. That's not for me. I felt like ripping the billboard down. Painting over it. I don't want my children looking at that when I ride down the road. The world captures us through the lust of the eyes. I want, I want to see junk like that. Yahweh gave us a way to fulfill our desires in this area and it's called marriage. That's the way He gave us to fulfill that desire that we have. It's called marriage. The Bible says the marriage bid is undefiled. But it says, whoremongers and adulterers and a host of other sexual perversions, Yahweh's going to judge at the last day. But it's become like a religion in our culture today. This stuff sells. Do you know that the magazine industry in this area and the television industry in this area, they make more money than all the sports uh, broadcasts combined, including the Super Bowl. Combining all the football games, all the baseball games, all the basketball games combined make less money than this industry does in magazine and TV shows. Pornography. People are bound to it. They're bound to it. And they need deliverance. They need deliverance. Or what about this? I I think I heard it said that most people... I I thought about myself when I wrote this one down, but I heard it said that most people buy a new car within the first 24 hours of thinking about it. You know, they're driving down the road and they see something they just got to have. Not really, but yeah, they just got to have it. But to them, it's got to be gotten. There's no planning. There's no practicality. There's no reason I've done that before. Come home until T. Jesse, honey. We got to have a new car. <laughs> well, what for? I, man, I passed, this, passed the past uh, the car lot and oh, it looked nice, man. You know, I'm not thinking about the money. I'm not thinking about if it's practical. I I completely flipped out and forgotten. I've got five children. You know. <laughs> Here I am, wanting to ride down the road in a Corvette, T-top. You know. Till my wife snaps me back into reality. He says, Matthew, we don't need nothing like that. And I say, oh, that's right, we don't. It's the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, materialism. You just want, 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 you don't get enough of it. You don't get enough of it. That hit me hard when I thought about that. And then First John 2.16 talks about the pride in one's lifestyle. The pride in one's lifestyle. This is an area that we get drawn away some people have the keeping up with the Joneses syndrome. And I've been guilty of this many times in my life. I see somebody with a certain something. I think I've got to get one so they won't surpass me. And what that is, is it's pride. It begins there, and then you're thinking that you're the reason you have everything that you've got. And then it's about you, 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 and not about him, him, him. And there's nothing wrong with having things. I'm not saying that. Don't get me wrong. We've got to have vehicles to drive and We have houses to live in. And there's nothing wrong with that at all. But is that what you live for? Do you love the world? Is that your deepest desire? Or is this your deepest desire? Do you wake up thinking about this? Or do you wake up thinking about dollar signs? This is what you should wake up thinking about. Any amount of money that you ever have is because Yahweh had common grace on your life. Any amount. Any car that you ever drive is because Yahweh had common grace. Not salvific grace necessarily but He had common grace upon you. He's allowed you to get whatever you've got. You didn't do it at all. You might have been the vehicle through which you got it, but Yahweh is the one that had grace on your life to allow you to be blessed in that area. The Bible even says if a man finds a wife, he finds a good thing, he's found favor with who? With Yahweh. Yahweh blessed him with that wife. Yahweh blessed him with that wife. We think, well, I picked out a, a good one. No, Yahweh did that. Hallelujah. Do you remember the parable of the sower? One of the seeds that was sown was among the thorns. The Bible said that this represented the people who heard the gospel. They heard the gospel about the kingdom preached. But the worries of this age, some Bibles say the cares of this life and the seduction of wealth, the deceitfulness of riches, choked out the word. These people can't be saved because they are in a love affair with the world. The love of the Father doesn't reside in them. They hear the message preached, but the cares of this life and the seduction of wealth, it chokes out the Word. It chokes it out. It doesn't allow the Word to take root. Are you that person today? Ask yourself that. Are you that person? 1 John 2.17, as we end, it says, And the world with its lust is passing away, but the one who does God's will remains forever. You know, it's perfectly okay to enjoy liberties that Yahweh gives us in this life, but it's not okay to be overtaken by the world. It's not. It's not going to be here forever, brothers and sisters. The world with its lust is passing away. Who's that guy that played on that latest Batman movie? Played the Joker? Young guy. He died. He died, I think. He's Ledger. He died before the movie hit the theater, I believe. He made millions. You made millions making that movie. He's gone. He's gone. I'm not teaching against all movies here. I'm just saying the world with its lust is going to pass away, brothers and sisters. It's not going to be here forever. It's not. We have to remember that. His world passed away and yours is going to pass away. We shouldn't become attached to materialism we shouldn't become prideful in what Yahweh has blessed us with. It's okay to own things, but we shouldn't be in love with them to the neglect of Yahweh. Remember the story that the Messiah told about the man that had an abundance of things and he got so much stuff that he didn't have enough place to keep it? So he said, I've got to build me another, another place to store some stuff. And he put that, I've got, to build, I've got to build something bigger though. I've got to keep building it bigger, bigger, better, bigger, better. And the whole time he's not giving any time to Yahweh not ever praying to Yahweh, never keeping any commandments, not doing anything. He's completely neglecting Yahweh. The Bible says, so it is with all those that are rich in this world but that are not rich towards Yahweh. That are not rich towards Yahweh. How often, how much time do you spend doing other things? How much time? Somebody told me one time, they said, Brother Matthew, I just just can't. I just can't pray for very long, you know. I I, I pray for maybe a couple minutes and then it's, it's over with. But but yet, boy, they man, they can sure watch a lot of programs on TV, you know, two, three, four hours at a time. You know, never get tired. You get through one movie, like, hey, let's pop another one in. You know, that excites them. But they're not rich towards Yahweh. They don't pray. They don't read their Bible. How much time do you give to Yahweh versus the time that you give to other things? How much money do you give for the kingdom versus the money that you give to other things? You want to know where a man's heart is? You follow his time and you follow his money. It will never lead you wrong. That's where his heart's at. Are you using your time to build the kingdom? Are you using your money to build the kingdom? Hallelujah. The end of our text here in verse 17 Says that while the world and its lust is passing away, the one who does Yahweh's will, he remains forever. You know what Yahweh's will is, brothers and sisters? That's that's the law, that's the Torah, that's the commandments. That's living, holy. The one who does the will of Yahweh, he remains forever. After that person dies, the next conscious moment they have. Is at the re- at the resurrection at the second coming of Yeshua the Messiah. They're going to live eternally, eternal life. Literally, in the Greek, means life of the age. Technically, it's life of the age to come. So the world with its lust is going to pass away. These clothes moths can eat them up. You know, I might can put some mothballs in my closet. I don't know, but moths can get to them. Thieves can break through and steal. Fire can burn my house down. But if I do the will of Yahweh, I'm going to remain forever. You catch that? You catch that, brothers and sisters? What are you going to live in this life, you know? Brother Arnold mentioned Moses earlier. He lived to be 120 years old. 120 years old. That's a drop, if if that, in a bucket compared to eternity, isn't it? The world with its lust passes away, brothers and sisters, but if you do, you always will, you will remain forever. So do you love the world? if you do, if it's overtaking you, repent you know you could you could you could be in a saved state, but it may have just overtaken you or you may not be saved, you know test yourself, examine yourself, repent, reevaluate your time. How you spend your time? Well, Sister Denise mentioned a couple of weeks ago that she had dedicated more time to Yahweh, spending more time with, with Yahweh. We all need to do that. Spend more time with the Father. Dedicate time to do that. Dedicate time to spend with your children, teaching them about, about the Father. Set aside that per- period of time. Say, from this hour to this hour, I'm not answering my phone. I'm not watching TV. I'm praying this hour. And this two hours, I'm Bible studying this two hours right here. This hour or this two hours, I'm sitting down with my children and going to play and get on the floor with them and roll the ball with them. This time, this is time with me and my spouse. This is for me. Get rid of a lot of this worldly stuff. Spend more time doing the things that's going to benefit the kingdom life. Let's stand and close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I love You and I thank You. Help us, Father. Help me in this area, Father. I feel like I've loved the world in certain ways and areas, and I don't. I don't want to do that. And, and uh, Father Yahweh, I don't. I don't want to speak one thing and do another. So help me, Father Yahweh, be more holy in this this area. Father, I thank you for the brothers and sisters, Yahweh. We're a small assembly, very weird to a lot of people, but Father, I just pray we could be a light to the world, and not in a condemning way, but just letting them know we're concerned. Letting people know we're concerned with, with sin and we're concerned with with uh, wrong lifestyles. and We want to see them delivered. We want to see people get help. I love you, Yahweh. I love you so much. I really do. I love these people here. Bring us back here next week and let us rejoice and celebrate you and, and your goodness. We pray these things through your only begotten Son, our Kinsman Redeemer. Amen.